0: I just felt a very important obligation to the to the clients that I had at that time. So I thought, you know what? I can still go out on my own. Yeah, it'll be hard and it'll be feel lonely and all that. <laughs> but I just decided that was the path for me.
1: My guest today is Christy Gumpton. She is the president and founder of Custom Benefit Solution, and she's a forward-thinking healthcare strategist who works directly with employer health plan sponsors to help them design what she calls employer-built healthcare, not insure-built healthcare. So we get into what that means and her journey into entrepreneurship, becoming a consultant, and also a two-time Broker of the Year award-winning consultant in her field. She is a contributor to Benefits Pro Magazine and Physician Outlook Magazine. She's also board member and committee chair at Mitigate Partners and a Health Rosetta credentialed advisor. So she has been provided for along her journey. And she's doing the same now for not only her clients, but as we talked about at the end of this conversation, how she's doing that for her own health and well-being. So it's my privilege to introduce you to my new friend and mentor, Christy. Welcome to the Become a Provider podcast. If you're looking to live a more intentional lifestyle and overcome passive living, then you're listening to the right show. I interview entrepreneurs, athletes, community leaders, and personal mentors of mine, who inspire me to provide in new and creative ways. I'm your host, Justin Thomas, co-founder of the CL Thomas Fellowship nonprofit, entrepreneur, and coach. Most importantly, I'm trying to provide more like Jesus and live an exciting life. So let's begin. Christy, cheers. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to the conversation.
1: And I like to always break the ice uh, for the audience and for my guest, even, just to say how the guest has provided for me. And so if you don't mind, I'll share a quick story. Okay. You and I are in similar industries professionally. A few years back, I surprisingly found myself in a position of being a business consultant for a company, managing their employee benefits. And we were working with a local direct primary care practice. But they said, oh, Justin, you need to meet Christy. And at the time I was so new, I didn't even know what I was doing. And and that brief email interaction was just quick. It was like, hey, I I don't know what I'm doing, Christy, but it sounds like you're, you're a broker and maybe we're competitors. I kind of went dormant for a little bit. And then just last year, I decided I really need to learn from seasoned professionals. And I remember this successful consultant out in North Carolina, maybe she'd be willing to share some of her expertise and time with me. And graciously you did, I stumbled across an article that you had written or you were featured in a local Christian news article about how you view your faith and how you work that out as your role as a business consultant, trying to be transparent in that. And then the light bulb just went off a second time of, oh, not only can I learn from Christy how to become a business consultant in this space, but also her faith journey and how she tries to provide for her clients like Christ. So thank you for being a positive example in a number of ways for me professionally and how you live out your life. So welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you so much. I really appreciate that.
1: Some of your accolades are super impressive. So I I just can't wait to find out more of your story, how you got into this field, who provided for you and Potentially a a place to start might be that there was a a crossroads moment in your professional life in 2016 where you are working for a larger consultancy agency. They get bought out and you have to make some decisions what you're going to do. So let's start there, if you don't mind. Take us back to 2016 in that moment.
0: Sure. So I had been working with a big regional player in the Carolinas, and mergers and acquisitions, they're going to happen, right? <laughs> and so this one certainly did get acquired by an even bigger national player. And the the way it was looking like what the future held was a big disconnect between me and my clients. It was very much a volume-based game. I was going to have to focus much more heavily on just selling, sell, 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 sell more, 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 more all the time. And I guess that's not a bad thing if you're really good at that, but I don't think I really am. So I think I'm better at digging into the details and figuring out what's actually causing problems and fixing those problems and those solutions sort of bubble up to the the greater good for for that client. And I just didn't like to have that sea of disconnect put in between me and and the people really that depended on me on a fairly daily basis. Uh, even if it was for something simple like, hey, can you explain this part of my policy to me? Or can you look over this document, make sure we filled it out right? I mean, I know that seems silly for a consultant to be asked to be that granular. And maybe in the grand scheme of things, I'd be better off financially if I would uh, ignore those types of things and delegate that to other people. But I just felt a very important obligation to the to the clients that I had at that time. And so I thought, you know what? i I can still go out on my own and yeah, it'll be hard and it'll be feel lonely and all that. <laughs> but I just decided that was the path for me. And so I did. I left and I took uh, half a dozen clients with me and I, I rented a little a little space in a office building. I mean it really I think it was more like a filing closet. <laughs> 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 that i rented and just put a desk in and and hung a a little name on the wall and that was that was i'm mean, i'm not going to whitewash it that was a difficult and lonely year but after that is when i found the health rosetta and i really felt that that provided a great infrastructure for me and a tribe like a a group of other disciples <laughs> that that I could hang with and lean on and collaborate with. And so the, the sun came out about the end of 2017 and going into 2018, I was really like on a crusade sort of to um, make things better. I mean, that year, the opioid crisis was a big deal. It still is a big deal, but it was a really big deal in terms of the way people had a a call to action to do something about it and i i definitely felt that calling too so with the health rosetta sort of on my side and mitigate partners on the other side i i was able to kind of take a stand and take a, a leading position in my community speaking truth to that particular issue so 2016 yeah it was a year that i i I went. I, I walked through that, it was a good experience, but it taught me that bigger isn't always better. And my clients definitely, that resonated with them too. And so we've gotten some very decent growth since then, nothing elaborate, I mean, I'm not, I don't have a huge book of business, but it's been slow and steady, that kind of pace that wins the race and i'm i'm glad i have i have that experience to to fall back on cuz i think those sorts of transitions are going to happen periodically throughout a career so
1: and walk us through if you don't mind making that decision is a large one and so for those listening who aren't a business consultant like us, they might be in a different profession thinking about making a big change, whether or not starting their own business or recognizing the company I'm in now, isn't the right fit, doesn't align with my goals with it. Do you remember any activities that you did that helped you make that brave step of starting your own consultancy business? Did anything come to mind?
0: That moment where I I definitely knew it was time to make an exit, not only because the organization I was with was going in a direction I I didn't want to go in, but also the dynamics within the agency were deteriorating too. So like the interpersonal relationships that I had with some of the superiors in that organization, those were disintegrating as well. So I think it was mutually agreed upon that I needed to leave. <laughs> you probably know what I mean. It's just <laughs> the the overall environment, and what I was feeling in my heart was, okay, it's just it's just simply time. Yes, there's going to be people that I miss, and yes, this feels bad in a way to be going in the other direction when it seems like everyone is so excited about this new endeavor that they're going on and I'm not going on it, right? And and so that felt a little bad, but I also, I just, I had the support of my clients and I really just felt deep down inside, it was just the right move because I think you, you do start to see misalignment when your core values don't match up with that of a larger organization. So when, when my core values are all about transparency and, and calling a spade a spade, because when I'm, if I'm looking at say pharmacy claims detail, and I can see that there's a drug that an employee is taking that's costing 10x what the fair market value is. But it's costing that because the the PBM, the pharmacy benefits manager, is jacking up the price arbitrarily. Do I not have a duty to my client and their plan, their health plan, on behalf of the members of that plan? Don't I have a duty to call that out? But when that sort of tinge or leaning in to the the foundational truths of transparency and doing what you feel is right on behalf of others. I mean, that's kind of like the definition of a fiduciary, right? When that's not supported or embraced by the leadership of the organization you find yourself in, then you just sort of know, okay, this is not where I fit in. (laughs) <laughs> and and maybe i have to go about this on my own because i'm i'm just not supported in this sort of mentality when i i do have like a little saying that i say pretty often and that is that in 2017 when i joined the health rosetta and mitigate partners i stopped selling and i started solving problems and i sort of embraced that problem solver mentality and it, that problem solver mentality really does require, um, a, a transparent mindset. So like if you are finding things or things to be true that are not in the best interests of your client, you have to be transparent about that. And you have to s- and say, look, this is the data. This is what we're seeing. I think I have a couple of solutions that'll solve this problem. Hear me out. And then you work on it together with your client. I've never been a, my way or the highway type of um, professional. I don't, I just don't think I have all the best ideas. I think I have some good ones, (laughs) but at the end of the day, to be a good consultant, I think you have to have a collaborative relationship with your client. You're not trying to push something on them. Some, some product you want to sell them for your own benefit. Maybe it does benefit them in some ways, but um, you can't help but deny or or agree that there are certain products that benefit the seller more than it benefits the buyer, right? So I just, I feel like that was, I hope that answers the question that you had, but I, I, I just remember thinking, This is not my place. I'm not, I don't fit in here. And so it's time to go.
1: It actually is a great segue into a quote. You mentioned transparency and how that integrates with your, not only your values, but your, your faith. And this quote from the uh, article that highlighted you, the Blue Ridge Christian News, I just wanted to read this and ask you to elaborate on it. You mentioned, Quote, I have to remember every day that the job I've committed to doing for my clients is my version of ministry. So being completely transparent about how and what I'm paid is what Christ requires of me.
0: Yeah, I I remember writing that and I and I do absolutely believe it. When when Christ was here among us, he did tackle financial topics, money. Hey, <laughs> even the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. And Christ came to earth to save us from the evils that that could, you know create all of the damage that we see in our lives. So there was certainly an attempt during our biblical history to, to point out the financial element to to what drives us. I wrote that article based on sort of like my own opinion of the, of the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021. So it has mostly like four pillars of transparency and fiduciary points, but the broker compensation disclosures that, I mean, I think I wrote that article in the fall of 2022, I can't remember exactly, but I'm sure I was pointing out that broker compensation disclosures, which which were the law of the land now, uh, and and when I wrote the thing, the article, and the plan sponsors for health plans, if they didn't have those disclosures in their hands, I think at the time I was writing the article, they're late. (laughs) And it was their responsibility to have them on hand, which means their broker's either needed to be transparent and already have that ready and delivered on time, or the plan sponsor needed to ask for them. And I mean, you probably see this in your prospecting activities. If you bring up broker compensation and the transparency that is supposed to be afforded to the plan sponsor about that, you probably get a lot of blank stares. Like, what? What are you talking about? (laughs) <laughs> I get that all the time. So I just knew that the people that sponsor health plans, at least in the readership of the Blue Ridge Christian News, which is out here in Western North Carolina where I live, they I needed them to know that this is really part of their fiduciary duty to the members of the health plan that they sponsor. And this is this is not really a new concept because they're already under this sort of mandate from the Department of Labor on their retirement plans. So the fact that this is now going over onto the health and welfare side of ERISA is really a logical and I think a well thought out progression because the enforcement of ERISA had really not been being done on the health and welfare side. Certainly not to the extent that it had on the retirement side. So knowing that employers can be sued by their plan members because of the poor performance of those retirements, and what the, the stockbroker or the, the retirement advisor is being paid absolutely filters in and factors in to whether that retirement um, program is performing well or not. I mean, and that's a serious thing. I mean, think about what happened in Enron. Remember that story from what back in the early or maybe the mid 2000s? Those people were caught completely unawares that their future was, was very bleak financially because their employer, the, the the sponsor of the retirement plan, got caught with their pants down and now there were hundreds maybe thousands of employees holding the bag and and the the rest of their golden years hung in the balance so that sort of fiduciary duty that wasn't being done and that kind of tragic story it could absolutely happen on the health plan side too and so employers needed to know that that their fiduciary duty as a function of the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021, their fiduciary duty had new legs. (laughs) And even though that article, I could only write it on sort of one element because otherwise you'd, you'd have a dictionary full of content somebody would have to read. So that article was fairly narrow in its focus, but it was important, I think, for me to call out that if you don't know what your advisor or broker or consultant or whatever, if you don't know exactly what they're being paid and what exactly is coming out of the health plans that you sponsor into the pockets, into the wallets of the advisors that sort of talked you into going into that direction, then you are in a breach of your fiduciary duty. So I felt it was important to, to just call it like I see it. If you're, if you don't know, then there's someone in your camp who's not telling you the truth. And, and, and all of that really made me think of Jesus and his disciples and even having a a detractor in the midst. But when he calls on us to, to tell the truth and be transparent, that doesn't mean just on the surface it means all the way down into the depths of the complexity of all of the work and in in health insurance it's highly complex there's money exchanged between parties all the time and the the employer that sponsors those health plans they just there's a lot that they don't know that they need to know and that was i guess that was what compelled me to write that article. So thank you for reading it.
1: Yes. Well, thank you. I mean, it's amazing the ripple effect that we can we can make. Where you when you wrote that article, here I am as a new consultant reading it and and just being inspired by it to see how you're taking your faith and putting it into practice with consulting your clients. And I often reflect with my entrepreneurial friends who are believers to say, we have an unfair advantage. We can trust that God is going to guide us and we have this playbook of how to live a life of integrity. And so if we can do that in our professional lives as well, it's an unfair advantage. Like we've already got a head start into uh, hopefully a, a lifestyle that is believing in something bigger than ourselves and then doing our part to serve others in a way that uh, is meaningful meaningful. It's an interesting industry to be in. And probably this is surprising to a lot of listeners who don't know how complex employee health benefits can get when an employer is larger in size. It's not as simple as a lot of us know as individuals, I go in the marketplace, I get my insurance, or I just pick one of two plans that my company provides for me. What's the big deal? And just to help people appreciate this, because I had to learn this going from the corporate health coaching world to the employee health consulting world, it's, as you mentioned, very complex because the company can, once you get to a certain size, it can really customize the benefits that they offer. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of different components of a health plan that's not just off the shelf, and there's so much money at stake that it's worthwhile to have a consultant like yourself to guide them through that process. Um, but not just any consultant, as you mentioned, you were provided for by finding other organizations, as you mentioned, Mitigate Partners and Health Rosetta that had a similar philosophy of let's try to be transparent and do this the right way. And and just to kind of wrap this up, uh, this little part is tangent is that When you say be transparent in your pricing, that may come across as obvious. However, from my understanding, how a lot of consultants would work is that they would charge the client a fee, plus they would be taking commissions on the side from different ancillary benefit providers that they wouldn't maybe necessarily be telling their clients. And so their compensation was actually much higher than what appeared on the paper, which is the intent of that. Uh, Consolidated Act, I believe, and then, but something that you were spearheading before this became the law of the land.
0: And I will say that while it's okay to be earning revenue from different sources, what's not okay is to not disclose it. So, like for instance. It's not all that hard to extract out the commissions from say a dental or vision or a group disability program you you can quote those net of commissions and just ask for the reasonable revenue as in terms of a consulting fee but it is a, a bit harder to extract commissions out of something like um, voluntary, worksite type benefits like an accident policy or an individual life insurance policy or something like that it's, those policies are filed with the department of insurance and the commissions are embedded and those rates are already part of the filing so it's harder to take those out so instead of just taking that in and not disclosing it that that's what i do i i, I as soon as i get those 1099s in january i and put those on the Health Rosetta's Broker Compensation Disclosure Template that they created. Thank goodness they created that. And I just turn it out with the right numbers on it. But it allows me a place to have a conversation with my client and say, okay, here's what I earned from this carrier and that carrier on this and that line of coverage that your employees chose during open enrollment on a voluntary basis. And then this is how I turned that back I reinvested that into your benefit strategy, whether it was in employee education or some compliance consultation for the employer or whatever. It's talking about where all the money is going, (laughs) even if it's going into my pocket and having that opportunity to say, this is how I invested in the infrastructure that I provide you as a consultant. So like, for instance, I... I saw the very drastic need for education with employees because the healthcare system is so complex and there's so much opacity. There's very little transparency in healthcare right now. Consolidated Appropriations Act hopefully is going to solve some of that, but I've really felt there was a big need to teach employees in a understandable and everyday type of way how to be a savvier healthcare consumer. So I started this little program, I call it Healthcare Smarty Pants. (laughs) And it's almost like a curriculum that I deploy through the learning management system that I have through my compliance and engagement tool. And employees can take those courses, they're five minutes long usually and answer a little four question quiz at the end. And when they've completed that curriculum, they get a diploma and that turns into lower premiums and their health insurance contributions. So I couldn't just pull that out of the air and do it with no resources. I had to spend some money to create that, that type of solution for employee education. And so that just talking about how I earn money from their benefit plan and then how I turn that around and reinvest that into solutions that they can actually use, hey, that's a gift, actually. You 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 might not have that opportunity to do those things or talk about why you were able to do those things if you weren't willing to get into the money and where all the money is going.
1: So we talked about you launching the company in 2016, the risk, and then the the, we took a little bit of a deep dive into the transparency and how important that was to you and how you serve clients with it. And then in 2018 and 2020, you were named a top women in benefits. Tell us about that recognition.
0: So I mentioned earlier in 2018 that I, I took a very, I guess I, I just decided to take a stand on what I felt was um, contributing to the opioid crisis and that it was a big news topic at the time. In in North Carolina, the attorney general had pushed forth some legislation that would require pharmacies to do some special things when opioids were being dispensed. There was just a, it was was a moment where I had an opportunity and so um, I knew how I felt about what I what i understood about how opioids were paid for within an employee health plan and i could pinpoint at a at a cellular level where we could stop this or or enhance that or just change the flow of traffic between health health plan spending and health outcomes and where where you could surgically remove right the the elements that would lead to tragic consequences because of these drugs. And so I held a a fairly significant town hall type seminar in my town. Probably, I don't know, 250 people showed up for it. The the attorney general also came and and was a speaker. My buddy, Carl Schusler, who founded, co-founded Mitigate Partners, he came and spoke about health plan design and how that um, has an impact on health outcomes. And so he modified his, his talk. He, he, he does the cartel talk. <laughs> so he, he took his talk and sort of modified it so that this opioid crisis was the discussion of the day. And the people that were in the audience got an eye-opening experience, really, to see oh wait your your prescription drug benefit and how it interacts with your overall health plan it's not just your generic copay is is $10 and your your brand name copay is $20 it, that it's not that simple <laughs> a lot that goes into it and so we were able to to have this nice seminar well that caught the attention of some other groups who wanted me to come speak i think i spoke at eight different Either it was a, a conference or um, a community seminar or something like that. So 2018 into 2019, it just blossomed. I was able to, to get on stages and speak to speak truth to power and, and open people's eyes about what they could do, especially other fellow brokers and consultants, what they could do with their clients to help tamp down this 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 issue and uh, i guess one of the the pinnacle of that speaking series was in november of 19 i spoke at the health rosetta summit in chicago on, on stage with marilyn bartlett who's a a hero uh, of mine and callie ortega and dave chase who co-founded the health rosetta so it all it always a great experience and, and it put me in shoulder to shoulder distance with some other really great people also pulling at the oar in the same direction. And, and so um, when I think Employee Benefit Advisor Magazine, I think is who has this annual list of the top 20 women in benefits advising. So I ended up on the cover of that magazine, or maybe not the cover, but in a, a, a special article about what I was doing. And and I'm not doing any of it by myself. So there's lots of other people to praise for. It's definitely um, Dave Chase and the Health Rosetta, because they really took a, a very um, prominent stance on it and, and gave employers tools to use and education about how how to how to manage the PBM relationship in in a self-funded health plan. And I'll say, I want to say one more thing about self-funding, because you mentioned a minute ago how employers of a certain size, maybe the larger employers, I'd love for people to know that self-funding and the way you can purchase stop loss through a self-funded arrangement that has come way down market over the years, So just this week, I quoted a a level-funded plan, which is a a hybrid of self-funding for a group of seven employees, and it is going to save them thousands of dollars. Um, It's going to afford them the found money to go out and provide direct primary care for all seven of their employees and still have a, a lot of money left over. And if the year plays out the way we think it will, their claims bucket is still gonna have more than 50% of the of the money in the claims bucket at the end of 2024. So I just think that, I mean, self-funding is a type of transparency in itself. I mean, there's still all kinds of HIPAA protections for employees. It's not like self-funding outs employees who need medical care and and discloses anything private. But self-funding just tells you where the money is going and it gives you insights into how to fix what's broken about the way we access and consume healthcare. Everyone out there should know that even if you're a tiny employer, you could still use the principles of self-funding to provide transparency, not only to yourself, but also to your employees.
1: Well, it doesn't surprise me that you're finding creative solutions, even for small groups as well. and. It's obvious that you're passionate about this work, you've taken a stand with it, and I just love to make a note of how this virtuous cycle of provision can work, where you take a leap of faith, you start your own business, you dive into existing uh, associations and groups to be trained, and they are certainly providing for you with the education and the support uh, to help you get through a really tough season of being on your own. As you mentioned, a very lonely season. And then just a couple years later, you were on stage with these co-founders and sharing from a thought leadership perspective and hosting the attorney general. And isn't it great when you can look back in life and see those moments of taking a big risk and you need a lot of provision, and then all of a sudden you're giving it?
0: Thank you. It is important to give that encouragement to others because we're all going to go through seasons where... We, are, we doubt ourselves, we doubt our future, and frankly, we doubt that that the Lord is sort of working everything to our good. If we can't see it right in front, it's just human nature to ask those doubtful questions. So yes, let it be an encouragement to others that if you'll just stay in faith and just get up every day and just try to do your best, even if it's only answering emails quickly to the people who ask you for your help. (laughs) If that's all you got done that day, then maybe find fulfillment in that. I love that song. I don't know who sings it or even what the title is, but that song where the lyrics say, you're always working every day, you're always working, referring to God. Um, always working on your behalf behind the scenes where you can't see it, but you have to have the faith to know that it's happening.
1: And as we begin to wrap up here, I always like to ask my guests in the midst of all you're doing for your clients and serving them, how are you providing for yourself in this season?
0: Oh, that's a tough one. I really have started doing more activities and sort of, I have started saying no more, which I really had a hard time doing in my past. I think COVID and and the way our society has really gotten right back to the ultra uber busyness, all this busy, busy, busyness, right? Everything, everyone going in so many different directions. And what we experienced in COVID was like in the span of a day or two, our whole calendars for the foreseeable future were in a snap cleared. (laughs) Do you remember that March of 2020? When I, I mean, I literally was driving to somewhere in upstate South Carolina and having a conversation with my mom and saying, gosh, I don't know when I'm going to be able to get down there and bring the kids to visit Everything's just so busy. And literally the next day, the schools were sending out emails to parents saying, we're shutting the doors. You are now a homeschooler and everything on your calendar is canceled. <laughs> and it was like this domino effect. And and so you went into this sort of uh, daze, not really knowing what to do. But it only took about 48 hours to realize, hey, not having anywhere to be or any ball games or board meetings or open enrollment meetings, not having any of that on my calendar was was nice. And so it took, what, about three months to kind of start getting out into the world again. And 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 that respite that we had during covid quarantines sort of made you realize, gosh, is all this busyness worth it? I just, I wonder. And so I started, I guess last year, I started really putting a commitment to getting out and exercising because I have to do that. I have issues with my blood sugar. And so if I let that, that, chronic disease of mine fester and just go unchecked, then nobody wins. And that. certainly not me. So if I don't want to take a bunch of medications to manage it, I have to do other things. And like burning that sugar up out of my blood is one of those things. So I have to stay committed to um, an exercise regimen. And I just had to be honest with that about when people say, Hey, can you come to this six o'clock meeting? Or can you attend this or that? And I'm just like, No, I'm sorry, I have a spin class during that time. (laughs) And sometimes I really it, it does feel like I have offended that person. And so I have to explain, look, I would I would love to, I would love to give away 24 hours of every day if I could, because I feel that obligated to help. But I have to prioritize this or I'm not going to be on this earth very long if I don't take this this chronic disease seriously. And so I'm just being honest with people and I'm also, it's just a deal breaker, right? If, if, somebody, if what someone needs me to do for them conflicts with what I really have to do to, to maintain a healthy body, then I just have to say, no, I'm sorry. I just can't serve everyone all the time. I don't know if Jesus had those moments. I should go back and read. You probably have read the Bible more times than I have. And you can offer a, an insight to when he said, no, I'm going to do something for myself today or whatever. I, I just, I can't remember, but I have definitely started doing that. And it's it's not always positive on the other end because people have a lot of expectations, but I've, I've just had to stay committed. Um, put myself back in, in some position of priority because, Hey, it's just no good, right? When you go and you stand in front of a, a room full of employees and you're pontificating about good health and know what they should do to be better consumers of health. If you're not doing that yourself and practicing what you preach, then what kind of a hypocrite are you? So I had to tell myself that and I had to just say, look, it's not always going to work out in my favor. Somebody could say, hey, can you do this or attend this or go to this function? And I say, no, it's possibly could backfire on me. Right. But I just hope the Lord's working it out on on the other end.
1: (laughs) There is so much good in everything you just mentioned. Thank you for giving that very practical example of needing to prioritize yourself and your health and how it does cost us to do that. Just like you talked about the change in strategy of being a, a standard consultant who isn't maybe as transparent to being a consultant that's more transparent. There's some friction there and you have to be willing to have those honest conversations with yourself and the client. And it's the same thing with, as you just mentioned, your health, where you had to have some honest conversations with yourself of like, I need to change some of my behaviors. I need to prioritize more of this movement and, uh, I love how, once again, we go back to the integration of faith in our profession, where just like we're called not to be lukewarm in our faith, we're not called to stand up in front of a crowd and judge them for making poor decisions in their health and wellness and not feel our best as well as much as we can control that So that's why it's so fun to have these conversations to see how people are living out this idea of providing like Jesus. And you've given us a lot of gems of how you're doing that in your consulting and all your, your personal health there. So so once again, thank you for sharing, because I think it's really inspiring for others to, to hear this and to try to do likewise. And that's really my goal of this podcast is to just help encourage people to. Provide for themselves and others like Jesus. And if we could do that, man, what a wonderful world we'd live in where we'd work with more people that are energized and engaged and honest and transparent, all the things we talked about today. So, so Christy, thank you for sharing a little part of your story and your journey with it. It's, it's meant a lot to me and I'm sure it will encourage others. How can people connect with you or any last words that you want to share?
0: Oh, sure. I'm all over social media to the extent that I can post some interesting commentary on LinkedIn. My website is custombenefits.work. That's W-O-R-K on the end. And my email address is christy, C-R-I-S-T-Y at (laughs) custombenefits.work. I'd love to connect with anyone who we might have a a mutual interest in solving healthcare problems. So hit me up.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode. Because we want to provide for even more people, please leave a review. It really helps. And if you want additional resources on providing like Jesus, You can access all of our content, courses, and weekly newsletter for free by creating an account on our website, www.clthomasfellowship.org. That's clthomasfellowship.org. So until next time, keep blessing and protecting others.